I can't wait for the House of the Dragon to just absorb every good TV show. Like, we're going to do girls next season. It's going to be a, a Rhaenyra riding on a dragon going, woke up this morning, got yourself a sword. <laughs> a lot of fun activity happening on your Instagram story over the weekend. Well, so it was, it was quite a boring Halloween weekend for me. I had to right. work. Well, not boring. It was a fairly just sort of unremarkable, mm-hmm. uh, like filming a conference, right? Oh, yay. But what they did, you know, it was about the economies of tomorrow, nice. industries of the future, mm-hmm. and they had this VR demo. Oh, no, yeah. sorry, it wasn't a VR demo. It was in VR, but it was a metaverse meeting space live VR demo. Wow. And I thought, this is cool. I've done VR before very briefly at a kiosk in John Lewis, and it was for like a gaming <laughs> thing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this... Yeah. I had to like film people in it and they were all still in the panel. So I went up early and I was like, okay, I'll give this a go. And I sort of on a swivel chair and someone there like put a headset on me and then like earphones and then on, you're on a swivel chair. So it's very like, I'm just in there. And so I put the headset on and it starts, it's just completely, completely white. And then it loads and I'm in what I describe as like a Bond villain's lair way at the top of a skyscraper and I can see and there's like these huge three-story panoramic windows that look down onto like a city and the sky and snow and sea and it's very Tony Stark's mansion right. right and I see these like other floating heads and shoulders with like what I could describe as like PlayStation 2 graphic faces nice. like smirched onto them and I could sort of hear voices and uh, you know you can click around the space to walk essentially and I'm like whoa and I'm feeling it I'm looking at my hands and I'm moving it and I'm walking into, the, I leave that room and I go into a larger lobby and this floating head and shoulders comes up to me and it's like, hi, I'm John. And I, do, I don't think this is a real person at this stage. So I'm like walking away from them. And he's like, oh, if, if you come closer, the spatial audio will pick up our conversation and we'll be able to talk to each other. And I was like, sorry, are you a real person? And he was like, oh, yes, I am. My name's John. Nice to meet you. And I was like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in Austin, Texas. Where are you? And I'm like, I'm in London. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. I'd love to show you around. And it was just because he sounded so yeah, robotic. AI. AI, yeah. I, was like, I don't believe you're real. And I kept like sort of making fun of him. I was like, wait, so you're just sitting in an office in Austin giving me a tour. And he was like, I can tell that you're a funny guy. <laughs> I was like, what happens if I stand up? And then I stood up and he was like, oh, wow, you're really tall. And I was like, you can tell that I'm tall. Oh I am tall. It's creepy. And he, we just walked around this. It was like a really flash hotel lobby in the sky telling me about how you're going to have meetings here. And 20 minutes went by and then I took the heads off and I, ju- I was like, where the hell am I? <laughs> I felt like Saito at the end of Inception. Like, right, I've yeah. been there for 30 years. I had yeah. a wife and kids in there. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, this is both. From a half-remembered <laughs> dream. <laughs> you and me, Mr. Cobb, we were really together again. <laughs> and I just thought, this is both amazing, yeah. so compelling, but absolutely awful and terrifying. Wow. And yet that was Welcome just my experience. Reality, but oh, am I? Am I? Did I put a headset on in that headset world? And I don't. Am I just a pair of like head heads and ears and PlayStation Two graphics? Can you imagine now? in thirty years I just wake up and I'm in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, uh, the metaverse really does scare me. Um, yeah, uh, because. But then I said that about TikTok. That I'm now. Now I'm just like my money. You're on your entire shelf. Negroni. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in there. I'm yeah. in the zone. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no no no. <laughs> 
God, what? Could you imagine what music labels would like literally kill to be those like 20 songs in TikTok circulation? Yeah, but also, well, I was thinking that like songs are being released to just be viral on TikTok. Mm. And so this sounds very cynical. I don't necessarily believe it, but like, yeah, yeah. Songs, take what happened with Lizzo's song About Damn Time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a fairly good song, yeah. right? Funky yeah. pop song. Love it. We'll dance to it, no problem. But it's like, oh, like a 20 second bit of that song, the verse, not even the chorus, the, like the verse yeah. was snipped out and danced to it and made viral on TikTok. Or like the bit, go home, get hit, high speed, as it was, right? But, but the listen count, therefore, if you were to go on Spotify, the listen count of the the songs would have been astronomical. But how yeah. many people, I would say, you know, what percentage of people went and listened to that song? Yeah. And then imagine a certain percentage then went, oh, okay, cool, and then moved on to other stuff. But mm. then some of them just stuck onto it. And it's like, who just knew? one popular person decides one day that they're going to use that and the rest of the internet follows. I was but- thinking, well, I was also thinking that about Matt Smith because like Matt Smith has a very, to, to people like you and I, we know Matt Smith has had an accomplished career as a very good actor. Yes, yeah. But then Is like, it's like, we, he was in Morbius, which a lot of us were like, oh God, Matt Smith. But it's like, mm. well, no, because part of me in that film, in like one scene where I dance, will go completely viral yeah. <laughs> and engage me with a whole different audience. I mean, I can just... You and know. you just know there are people in meetings every single day going, going what is that factor yeah. in a song? They've probably darted everyone like, yeah. what is it? Is it because you can dance or it? Is it catchy? Is it kind of like got a hundred? What is it? How do we put it in every song but that that's we're putting out? Love. It's like a kind of corporate whack-a-mole with like what makes something viral. Mm. And every time it pops up the cor- you know corporate bodies go oh we'll do that and then it, and then it moves and they're like and then something else will pop up will be which will be completely different but get more virality and they're like well why is that and then viral there's like the poor 24 year old social media manager trying to explain to their 50 year old boss why they need to put this louis through voiceover in yeah, their company's yeah, social yeah, media yeah. but that it was interesting even before tiktok how uh, the streaming platform changed the way albums and music was being written and they made sh- they made more shorter songs yes because you get more streams so drake also, released like 25 song albums that, that idea that you only get paid after the first 30 seconds of your song right yeah so it's the idea is you make it. and i saw this thing this was a tiktok which i probably watched 10 seconds of but there was yeah. this person making this argument that the bridge in songs has been written out mm. it used to be verse course verse, verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus i think sure but it's been written out um consult video not me <laughs> yeah for this fact but uh yeah um but, but but just back to the vr my main note for vr terrifying you know dystopian future aside if you're in a meeting, you know, you're holding these controllers. Right. You can't make notes. I can't, like, as it stands, like, quickly go, mm. good point, and mark my thing. I would have to lift it, get my phone out. Surely it's recording. You can watch it back. I'm not going to watch a meeting back. Who watches a meeting oh, back? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I just... You can actually... Well, you, there are Teams calls that are recorded, you know. It's, it is a thing. Yeah, but if you want to make a quick note, well, that to me was the yeah, one hole in it. I'm sure like, I'll be sort of like beaming my nose. They're, li- they're to listening to this right now and going, oh, yeah. sir, we'd love to have you come join us. Hey, it's John from Austin. Yeah. I've been tracking you for a few oh, days some- now. There's something about the perma smile yeah. on people. And that- then, and then the, the, like, the sort of rubbish sort of texture of a face he had wasn't really making an expression. Mm. So it was just like... There's something about uh, the Americans. I think there's like, I read this... Uh, like Apple like, style customer service. No, yeah, but there's there's a thing about American culture. And there's there was like this book I was reading recently, um, and there's this particular essay on the American smile and what it mm. means. And it's like, it's 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 terror 
and it's like fixed. It's like, it, is it is it hiding intelligence? Is it hiding lack of intelligence? Mm. Is it boredom? Is it? And there's just this whole. You could you could really dissect and examine the American perma smile. Yes, and in the UK, you know, when you go into a Starbucks, which is a global chain, the cust- which you know should is, is technically standardized yeah. across the whole world. Yeah. But you go in here, and it's still very transactional. People aren't rude, but there's yeah. not this sense that you need to be like this different version of yourself. Mm. Whereas you go for grab a Starbucks in New York, it's like, sir, have a great yeah. day. Well, maybe not in New York, less so in New York, but in LA. It's I have to a- say, uh, I, uh, I found increasing. You know what? I'm not going to say because it it's probably <laughs> brutal, right? Yeah. But I, I saw a great thing about. Um, did I mention this to you about East Coast versus West Coast Americans? No, go on. And it was the East Coast Americans are are kind but not nice, no. whereas West Coast Americans are nice but not kind. So if your car breaks down in LA, someone will drive past you and go, oh my God, I am so sorry that your car broke down, but they won't actually yeah. help you. Whereas in New York, they'll be like, what are you talking about? Your bloody tire broke down. What yeah, are you doing? Yeah, but they'll yeah. actually like fix your tire and help yeah, you. That's very interesting. And that was, uh, yeah. it's not my idea. But, no, but I've that. also said that about the difference they say between, about between British and Americans. Which oh, is, fine, yeah. No, no, but the, uh, the We're British- We're more East Coast, East Coast than well, East Coast. It's like the British are polite, but not friendly. And mm. Americans are friendly, but not polite. Yeah. So there's the direct Americanness of, apologies to any American listeners. No, please no, please yeah. correct There's a generalization. Generalization yeah, yeah. that people would just say, but it's like, you know, it's the, hey, how you doing? But it's almost like so direct. It yeah. borders on the point of, like aggressive, it's not aggressive, but in it's just UK, like, we're like what it's almost you? invasive happiness, right? Yes. Whereas in the UK, <laughs> so it's like, hi, um, really sorry to bother you. Yes. I um, could you, would you mind going getting? I'm thrilled um, to tell you yeah, that um, we're moving yeah. office. Yeah, I'm so sorry um, if that's possible. It's just the, mm. the kind of layering over. Go we, see living if you want to. Yes, yeah, or we just apologize for things we don't need to apologize for. Yeah. Like you just, yeah. Anyway, um, but, but that was like, my experience in the metaverse. One, I just wanted to share one it. thing, just to draw a waffle to a close on a different subject if you don't mind yeah yeah please you know we spoke recently about colin farrell right mm. when we did the review of banshees of inner share and i talked about the dynamic the three, career he's having and the three different performances i've seen him in this year right i googled colin farrell today first of all do you know how old colin farrell is oh i bet he's so much older than i think mm. uh, so he he looks like he's in his 40s but is he in his 50s no he is in his 40s okay he but this is my thing he's 46 which is a Really okay. good, age. good age, which means James, what? when he was in Phone Booth, which was the film you mentioned no, stop. many years stop. ago, he was twenty six. What he is? He was younger than us. I can't. When he was in Phone Booth, and you what? look at a picture. I had to Google That's pictures. That's a grown man. I I know. I Google I'm pictures not as old of him. As that character in look Phone at, Booth. He's got a goatee and everything, and what he's is sweaty. That factor that makes you look sort of older and more grown up talent. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending to be something. But well. he does. He does look very grown up. But he's twenty six there. I, unless, unless God. Wikipedia is wrong. But if he's forty six now, Phone Booth came out twenty years ago. It's the simple maths would say if you don't remember. Neither of us have seen Phone Booth in a really long time. But we're quite sure it's a masterpiece <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yes. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, a really horrifying fact. So, uh, but anyway, Colin Farrell, keep at it. Whatever I'm still, I'm still always are. processing that, like most footballers on a football pitch I watch now are younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. I would be an experienced footballer. It is always like the fantasy that, you yeah. know, I could still be a professional footballer. I don't even play, I've never played no, football. No. But there's no. always that, like, well, if I really got good this summer, no, it's over. It's properly over. Yeah. You still think you're like 14, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, James. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I had to really work hard at this podcast. (laughs) 
So George, I just wanted to catch up on a few newsy things that have happened. I feel like there's just been some stories, some trailers related to things that we talked about before, and I just thought we could unpack some things, give some insight to our audience. First one I saw, which I think has been one of the biggest pieces of news these last 10 days, is that after a post-credit scene in Black Adam, this is spoilers for people who've seen Black Adam, neither of us have, Henry Cavill is back yes. as Superman. He appeared in a post-credit scene and he sort of revealed himself to be part of that again. And I want to get your reaction to that, but also he has since left his role in The Witcher. Did you not hear this? No. So he announced he was back as Superman and then now Luke, uh, no, Liam Hemsworth has been cast as Geralt of Rivia in season four of The Witcher. Oh. So he had four. Yeah, so, so he's doing filmed. season three now, oh. and he's being recast. Because I kind of think you Awkward. can't do two at the same time. Sure, I guess. But just reaction, Henry Cavill back as Superman for a Man of Steel sequel. Oh, so he's back. that's what he's back for. So They're doing a Man well, of Steel sequel. First of all, so the thing with him appearing in Black Adam, which I, I, haven't, I, seen I haven't seen, but apparently I did read a, a quick article on, I want to say Variety, might be The Hollywood Reporter, but I want to say Variety, which actually said that that was not the direction DC wanted to go in at all. Mm. The Rock pushed for that and actually went around a studio head to make it happen. God, The Rock's powerful. Yeah, I know, right? There was a studio head that actually wanted to do this separate thing with a black Superman that was going to like span many different decades. And The Rock was like, no, I want Henry Cavill back in as, as Super. And they filmed it, If I, I hope I've got this right, like with just a body, for most of it, and it was only they only got they only filmed this in September, and they got Henry Cavill in his, his head in last minute. And I saw that when I saw the the news about that he, he's in, I thought, how is this canon? And then I thought, I don't actually really care, because the only interesting film re- really is is Man of Steel out of all of that stuff, mm-hmm. which is like interesting. And then the third act, you go, okay. Um, oh, have I ever told the you the first two acts of Man of Steel are actually better than people remember them to? Be. Have I ever told you my Man of Steel story when you met Henry Cavill on the tube? Uh, no, I didn't meet him. I did see him on the. I did see him on the tube. No, this it's a, probably not safe for podcast. Okay, consumption. <laughs> another but, time. Another time. I'll tell you after. When we um, release our own <clears> fans, <throat> you can get access to. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 you know, Man of Steel Steel sequel has actually been mooted for a while. I remember yeah. after uh, Batman vs Superman came out, they were like, "Oh, we're still going to do um, Man of Steel 2. And I was like, "But that's what you tried to do with." Uh, Dawn of Justice, right? Yeah. That movie, Superman. That was one of the problems. It was trying it to be Man, felt of Steel like a Man of Steel two. And then you kind of it kind of ruined it. And then that, all of it went very quiet. I think if you're going to do Man of Steel two, um, not that I have very much investment or attachment to any of this, but if you're going to do Man of Steel two, have it only connect to the first Man of Steel. Oh, I wish. Have it only connect to that. I don't want it to connect to any of the other stuff. And, and try and honor that kind of vision that Zack Snyder maybe flawed, but flawedly or did, which was just. Sober it up, make it about something deeper, make it about it something deeper. the Nolan deep. effect influence. The Nolan really, effect. He produced it. it. I know, he's got his name so, on the credits, yeah. So try and try and stick to that. Cavill's Superman deserves a lot better than the sequels to Man of Steel, I totally. think. Like, I think like, Man of Steel is flawed, but I think I rewatched it almost like four years ago. And those first two acts are so much better than you remember because I think the third act mm-hmm. is just a bit ridiculous and leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But yeah, I'm kind of in for it. Mm. I'll watch it. I'm not going to watch Black Adam. Though. I do. I'm. 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 I'm really coming around on Henry Cavill, though. As a like a you know, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying. Not like coming around. I wasn't down here, but like I'm enjoying. Sort of Henry, Henry Cavill, Cavill sort of uh, post. I was going to say post Superman era, mm. but he's now just <laughs> come back and back. done it. What would be his post Superman years? It's been more like his inter into Superman years. Yeah, and now he's got hiatus. Yeah, hiatus. you know what it means that he's now back as Superman. It means he's officially out of the, the running to play James Bond. You can't do both. 
You can't can do we both. just talk about that a second? We did a thing, uh, an email question, didn't we, about who should play the next Bond? We put it out on TikTok and it got a lot yeah. of comments on it. Yeah. I, from just scanning the comments, I feel like the most named people were Richard Madden. Yes. And who was the other one? Maybe Taron Egerton. But I yeah. feel like the Kingsman connections kind of tainted that. I know what you mean. He's done it. Um, anyway, not to rehash that conversation, but I find interesting that Richard Madden's name came up a, a lot. lot. Next piece of news I want to talk about is that trailer for Ant-Man 3 Quantumania right. that dropped. I had a particularly negative reaction to this trailer. Right. I felt like, I, I feel like now I've seen the same Marvel movie five times. Mm. And even though I haven't seen Ant-Man Quantumania, something about the look of it yeah. just made me feel like, nothing mm. and it was like it was the siege i know they're in they're in this quantum mania zone everything is like small small so yeah. it's going to be like super yeah. super crazy visuals but i just feel like a load of yeah. nothing for it well i when i saw the trailer for ant-man quantum mania mm. i thought this has a whiff of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness about mm. it in that it could have be you have an idea that could be very interesting and stretch you yeah. into infinite realms. Jumping through dimensions. Infinite possibilities, yeah, infinite dimensions. The quantum realm, it's like a Terra Nova. You can do whatever you like with that, just go and explore Make up it. all your own rules. Exactly. But what, like what happened with Doctor Strange, it was like, I know, look at all these different multiverses. Let's stick to one. And then I think that's when it, what's going to happen yeah. with Quantumania. It's going to have like five minutes of intriguing psychedelia and then it's going to be back to... Uh, Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas on a soundstage in front of a green screen. Mm. But so, I, do, I, I do love Paul Rudd though. He is so, he's so good. He's enough to get me to go see it. Mm. On a separate note, I feel like, you know, when Hollywood sometimes decides that we're going to push this actor forward, I feel like Jonathan Majors <laughs> is about to properly burst yes. onto the scene. Yeah. He's being introduced as the new big bad yeah. in Marvel, the largest entertainment IP arguably out right now, depending on how you count. Yeah. He's going to be in this new film, with, which is called, is it Devotion? It's a war, a war film. Like with uh, Glenn Powers? Yes, I, can't, I think that's that might not be the title and he's the villain in creed three yes and you know when you, you know when yeah. just all of a sudden like he's doing three things at once like yeah. when jennifer lawrence had hunger games silver linings or the and um, the adam driver effect where he's just driver. like oh my god in that space of five years you're in everything yes. everywhere um, it just feels like here's jonathan majors i'm not saying he, he never did anything before but i feel like he's bursting onto the I, scene i i and, and rightly so him. like i i i i saw him first in the last black man of san francisco which i think i mentioned before which is kind of flawed but i he was great in it and then he was in the five bloods and then he turns up in loki at the end and mm. i really liked his little bit as very his enigmatic as very Kang. architect in the matrix scene. totally but fun <laughs> sorry sirens are real sirens. real that's a fire engine that oh, is, is a fire. Can you hear? Do you not think? Like, a slightly deeper, darker sound. A large horn. Yeah. Do you hear the European sound? Sometimes. The... Yeah. Oh no, that's an air raid. That's like an 1950s air raid. <laughs> Sorry. Take yeah. cover now. Anyway, um, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, he's, and when I saw him in the trailer for Creed Three, I thought, of course, this is Jonathan Majors' time. But he can do. He, he, sorry, he did like Lovecraft Country as well. That was yeah. a big thing for him, that, that TV series. So he's clearly got acting shops where he can play small uh, indie, interesting and big scale stuff. That's why I made the comparison to Adam Driver. And also because he's, uh, how else to put this? He's built like a brick yeah, shit oh house. Yeah, he looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any thoughts on the Succession season four trailer? Um, I, did I have any thoughts? Well, I, I did in that, um, 
we'll talk about this when we talk about House of Dragon. Yeah. But I watched the succession trailer and I was like, you know, I, I will watch this. And, I, and in hindsight, I have some actual reservations about season three, yeah. the one that would just went. But I will always look, watch succession and I'm looking forward to it. But I was like, there was more succession in House of Dragon than there was in actually succession. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Right? Like, They've gone for that, clearly. There was also more crown in House of the Dragon <laughs> than there was in The Crown. You've got like these two massive shows that ended up being more prominent in House of the Dragon. I can't wait for the House of the Dragon to just absorb every good TV show. Like we're going to do girls next season. It's going to be a, a Rhaenyra riding on a dragon. Woke up this morning. Got yourself a sword. Wow, wow, wow. This is actually Bomb, bomb, bomb. What you, you said we I could be king. Oh, that's my dragon, I, Larry. I, 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 just because he has blonde hair, you said you were Targaryen. I'm bleach you blonde. You can't just go around killing other people's dragons, Larry. That's Sammy's dragon. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my throat. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Look what you've done now. <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, the, the, I, I'm really excited to watch season four of Succession, yeah. but it was the same trailer as season three. It's what is like, like, it's war. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's war. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna go yeah. do that, right? Uh, oh, we're gonna fucking yeah, 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 gonna yeah. be there, right? Yeah, but I'm there. Sure. This next one is that Matt Reeves is planning several Batman villain spin-offs. One of which is the Penguin. One of which is the Penguin. Speaking again of Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Uh, which I think just today cast Kristen Melotti. Kristen, you know, the mother of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I like her. She's good. <laughs> Shame. Um, we noticed that for a while. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was surprised. Again, you know when you talked about Tom Hardy not wanting to be Bond? You didn't want Tom Hardy to be Bond because you didn't yes. want him to be tied down as Bond for several years. Mm. Colin Farrell being the penguin in a series, I'm like, I don't want him to be tied down as the penguin for, for ages. And also mm. I thought we want to keep the mystique around that for for the Batman too, right? Mm. Um, what other projects does he get? It's, it's like all villain based. I think it sounds it? like there's going to be an Arkham Asylum series, which could right. be fun. Um, and then potential uh, things based on Scarecrow, Clayface and Professor Pig. Look, I mean, the good thing about- I liked the Batman. Yeah, I did too. I liked its world. But I don't need, it's like they went, oh, wow, you did something different there. Why don't you just play our game and just cut that up into little pieces and yeah. grow it? And it's like, well, I saw the Batman, really liked it. And I was like, great. I look forward to watching a sequel in maybe five years yes. when I feel like there's another yes. Batman film, which I think that is likely what's going to yes. happen. And I'm just ready for them to evolve it and do the new chapter of their own little Batman story. Yes, I don't, I don't need want them to, to, done to dish death. it up to me on small plates. No, yeah. thank you. Well, there you go. Those are just some news items. Depressingly, 80% of them were Marvel and DC stuff, yes. such as the news, such as the environment. But there you go, just some things to, to chat about. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> okay, so George, as this episode is titled, I want to talk about the two fantasy series that have come out. And I want to sit down and we're going to go to talk about spoilers, but I want to talk about these shows together yes. and talk about how I think they're, they're obviously very clearly very contrasted. Yes. But I think what's interesting about, you know, these shows coming out at the same time is that Game of Thrones, the show, yeah. would never have existed like a lot of fantasy IP yeah. without 
Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Right. And I think Game of Thrones success meant that Rings of Power could then happen. Exactly. And I also think it's then been a reason why House of the Dragon as well yes. could have a spin-off. So and the I DNA think, is intrinsically linked yes, they're, they're so linked, and I think they'll forever just keep trading, you know, their own inspiration. And I think it's interesting, the success of Game of Thrones, regardless for its ending, it's clearly going to go down as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Like some of the moments, I actually just was rethinking about some of the great moments in <laughs> yeah. that show and, and what it did so well. And I think you know, what has happened is you've had this huge industry endorsement in the fantasy genre. Mm. And what has happened is you've got these shows, which I think I mentioned this in my Rings of Power First Impressions, this very interesting environment where these shows have almost been pre-commissioned, mm. where they, it doesn't really, it's not like they're expected to not survive yes. in terms of ratings. Like we know the audience is there. It's all about now like giving the people what they want. Yes. And I think these shows, despite, you know, being out at the same time, I think they're clearly going for very different things. You and I have now both seen seasons one, both seasons of uh, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. And we wanted to talk about uh, spoilers. We want to just go into the plot. We want to sort of review them next to each other. And um, if you haven't seen them yet, we are going to be talking about the plot. So please uh, stop. You, there will be time codes in the bottom if you want to skip ahead to something else in the episode. But if not, please come back and listen to this. Uh, it has been about two weeks since the since those series finished. But let, I think we should start with House of the Dragon. Yes. And I think a, few, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, we did our first impressions of House of the Dragon. Yeah. Again, you can go back and listen to that. And I feel slightly um, like when I li- look back on my impressions of House of the Dragon, they just felt immediately out of date once yes. I started watching more episodes. Because... That show covers so much, yes. both like in the drama and how much time it, it goes goes on to sort of uh, pass through. But George, just sort of yeah. how, how, House of the Dragon coming out of season well, one, how do you feel about it? Well, first of all, I wanted to say that it's not just, you mentioned sort of the link, how the how Rings of Power and House of the Dragon play off against each other. They're both also two massive fantasy prequels <laughs> that Very are coming true. at the same time yes. that set before massive events that we know about. Yeah. Um, when you gave me your first impression of House of the Dragon, you said mm. it's more Game of Thrones. I did, yeah. Right? And I think it is, but what it is actually, it is more quintessential, uh, original, early Game of Thrones, yeah. which is what people got into the show for originally. It is people whispering in corridors. It so is people much. plotting. It is taking a show of many different characters and making you feel many different things about them. What I loved about the House of the Dragon is I, you know, of the two of us, I was very reluctant to watch it. Yes, I remember. I, I, I you know, I, my fingers have been. Burned. You did it for the show. Really. I did it for the show, honestly, and and I think a lot of people were in the same boat, thinking we're over Game of Thrones. That really, like, we that we we had our fingers burned with how it ended in 2019. Do we want to go and revisit it now? Yeah. And I remember watching the first episode. We talked about it, thinking, hmm, okay, this is intriguing. Mm. And the way that show progressed and developed and had a cumulative effect, which I love it when a TV show does this, so that by the time you reach the end, you think, wow, I'm really into this story and I really want to come yeah. and see where this goes. It was brilliant. It did that thing that Game of Thrones does, which is presenting you with a character in a multifaceted way that makes you invest in them sort of emotionally and narratively, and then antagonizing your feelings of how you feel about this character against another character that you also feel something towards. Mm. And I love the way that um, it really conflicted me about how I felt about certain people. Take, for example, Kristen Cole, who begins the show as this sort of symbol of what Rhaenyra could escape to be. And this noble prince. And and you're sort of wanting this connection to happen. And when it does halfway through the season, it, it just doesn't quite happen as you'd expect and he sort of you know he has that moment he says come on you we can i can i can we can both escape this and obviously she says no i you know i have my duty Mm. 
And then he turns into a fucking asshole. Sorry to be so blunt, <laughs> yeah. but he turns into an absolute mm. awful presence. Um, and 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 it made me feel this kind of like, oh, but I was with you mm. previously. Similarly with, I'm really sorry, I just sweared so loudly, no. by the way, if you were in the car with your children, cover your ears, <laughs> please. Um, if uh, Similarly with like Matt Smith's character, Damon, mm. who is- Brilliant. I mean, fantastic. Sirens on our end. Um, that is a that is a fire engine, isn't it? Sorry, sirens on our end. As you um, Matt Smith, who we always knew is a brilliant actor, but she can do so kings. There can are do entire royal. scenes of conflict. There's yeah. that one scene in I think episode seven where it's all about the eye that's been slashed out, and it's about like, yeah. and he doesn't have any lines in that, mm. but he's just looking, and he t- he says so much. The, the, the show is so good at using and creating its own dramatic tension. Well, that's exactly it's, what it's I mean. a master of it. Like but, whether it's just in a look, it just know. no. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, but I was just saying. So then, but like. Damon, at the beginning of the series, you're like, oh, you're just a thorn in the side because mm. Viserys, no, he's not a, you know, he, uh, like you're, you're, you're getting in the way. And then he kind of has these failures and then he sort of matures. And then he has these moments of being really, like it's coming through at the end again, at the end of the series, mm. this danger behind him. Um, and he has this sort of, his, but then at the same time, he, despite his sort of sadism and his, and his violence towards his cold heartedness mm. and cold bloodedness, this sort of weird relationship with Rhaenyra, he does care for her and he is actually passionate about restoring his family. Well. Viserys, I love Patty Constantine in this. What great character. You've got a king that is, Grasping as they say at the end. Yeah, trying, they say yeah. he is a good man, but mm. he's not really born to be flawed. king. He's, he, he's flawed. He's neither terrible, but he's neither brilliant he he has no passion and, and he has no battle he has no he has no central conflict that will exactly. make him remembered and, and that affects him disintegration of him physically yeah. uh, until, until that final episode and even when that moment when he's crawling up to the iron throne and even damon comes up to him and he's like come on yeah like gives him a hand because even yes. he understands like that the pride of walking up to your own throne and grasping a sword so and- yeah so weaving that interconnected web of different feelings and different tensions and and and, and different characters was probably one of the primary enjoyments yeah. I, I i derive from it and like that that reminded me of game of thrones in particular as well like episode nine of this series when viserys has died and there's like almost like a coup mm. reminded me very much of season one of game of thrones when robert Rathians dies yeah. and ned stark is thrown in jail and he's mm. about to be executed and it's like oh my god this is happening Everyone springs into yeah, action and, and, and yeah, you yeah, swear allegiance exactly and it's like they for the, for the previous nine episodes they've been just slowly cranking the tension back and then mm. they're going to release it all of a sudden and sorry one more thing the 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 violence in this i think was used in game of thrones was much sorry the violence in the house of the dragon was used in a much more interesting way than i think the violence in game of thrones which yeah. by the end was like kind of sensationalist and kind of like oh someone got the head chopped off yeah. <clears throat> but in this there was done with moments of humor, which I do remember that being episode one I told you about when the guy like throws up. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are um, short, sharp stops of violence that are incredibly like shocking. The bit in episode nine where Kristen Cole forces Lord whatever and he just smashes his head on the on the yeah. pebble. And it's just that quick, clean action. I was like, that really stuck with me for a while. I was like, I kind of feel that connection. Um, and, and even then the use of like um, trauma around childbirth it's kind of like recurrent throughout the the show yeah i was i was back in and now i feel like such a sucker Mm. because 10 weeks ago i was there going oh you know maybe i'll watch it and i'm like when is season two we have to wait till 2024 or something on on the violence (laughs) note uh for a show that has the word dragon in the title i actually thought the dragons were really well underused Mm. because i think it would have been too much to have them 
just have been like a dragon fight the whole time. Totally. And I love the way they build tension by having, I feel like the members of the Targaryen family almost have this Cold War style policy of mutually assured destruction. Mm. It's like, you have a dragon, I have a dragon, mine's mm. a little bit bigger. Yeah. We're not gonna use them, but if you don't, yeah. you know that I'm bringing my dragon to yeah. this. You know, I think it's in episode two when Damon's acting yeah. up and Rhaenyra comes with a dragon. And these men are just standing in between these two furnaces, like these yeah. nuclear things. And I'm like, the hairs on my arm are standing up, hearing the sound yeah. of it. And I think it was so good how, I, I think obviously the war is coming. This is set yeah, up yeah, yeah. the war, but I like how they didn't over use the dragons as mm. a tool. And um, yeah, I was just like making a comment about how it uses dramatic tension. I, th I, th I think where I will contrast it with Rings and Power later is that th what this show does is that it lives and thrives in the gray area. Mm. And in the Rings of Power and in Tolkien traditionally, like the lines between good and evil are yes. really clearly drawn yes. most of the time. It's kind of binary. And you sort of always understand where each character sits. Whereas in House of the Dragon, what it does so well is that everyone is flawed and everyone is sometimes good and you never really know who is about to turn on you and sort of mm. completely flip the narrative. There's some great moments in the end where like some characters like, did you never imagine yourself on the Iron mm. Throne? Like, come on, of course mm. you did. Mm. And I think what it does well is that it's so good at telling you in every scene exactly what everyone is thinking and not necessarily with dialogue. It can yeah. just be with look. It can be the way someone grasps their sword, the way yes. someone takes a drink. And it makes me as an audience member feel like I'm the clever one for understanding yes. that. And of course it's the most obvious thing, but I feel like I am understanding this unspoken dynamic between all of these characters and all of these yeah. families. And you get really into this mess that's been yeah. created of like there's incest people sleeping with yeah. who they shouldn't there's relationships that are relationships of convenience that are just for like building the houses yeah. but really they're sleeping and having children with other people and it's just you're like this is and there's like you know the bodyguards who are actually fathering yes, children yes. who are breaking the bloodline and also so many people have the same name yes the oh, names Raina, are Rhaenyra Rhaenys Viserys Viserys Aegon 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 it's absolutely out of control Aemon Vaymon and Damon that's the other one as well it's out of control and you get to the point where, you know, Viserys dies and everyone's like, who do we swear allegiance to? And everyone's like, well, you slept with that person. Yeah, You're yeah, with your yeah, brother. Yeah. That person is not actually that person's child. It's yeah. just, it's just been like 20 years of, of a mess. Um, I, I love, sorry, just on that, yeah, bit, no, when you, about episode nine with the, the tension in that, when they go into that boardroom and I say, you know, Kristen Cole sort of accidentally kills that Lord yeah. and it's that tension and Graham McTavish pulls his sword out. The Kristen Cole, Cole pulls his sword out. Mm. And I love that tension of like, of how power exists in that room. Yeah. Which is like, Otto Hightower has power through words and influence and the yeah. queen has formal power, but is kind of powerless. And Graham McTavish and Kristen Coral have physical power because they are armed. Yeah. Um, and I just love that dynamic about uh, watching the sparks fly. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's I think it, it, for having only seen one season of this show, I think it's done a really good job of establishing who these people are yeah. and what they want. Um, I think I think it is. If I'm to criticise it, I think there are a couple of episodes which are a little bit slow. But now I've finished in the earlier stages. Uh, do you think? Like, yeah. I want to say like four or five, maybe yeah. I can't remember. But it's, I think there's a couple of notes where I'm like, this is really there's a lot of names, a lot of faces, a lot yeah. of like people, and then there's the this very big time time jump yeah. where some actors are recast, and I think we skip ahead maybe ten years or something. And I found that episode a little bit jarring yeah. to sort of reconnect to those people. And yeah. I, I think the actors were brilliant all the way yes, through. And I'm absolutely. not saying it was their fault. Yeah. But I did feel a little bit like, who's who again? And whose kid is yeah. that? Because it actually spans 20 years, 20, which is right, mad, yeah. right? 
Um, no, but I, yeah, I know. I, I did, I, that was slightly confusing, but then I, I loved it when, you know, Emma Darcy, brilliant. Olivia Cook, always brilliant, yeah. actually. Um, and even the younger Millie versions Alcock of Alcock as well, I thought was really good, is the young Renera. Yes, Rhaenyra. yes. Yeah. And a bit like how we were talking about Matt Smith, Patsy Constantine, Risa fans, similarly, always... Mm. Always a delight to see. He, but you know, he doesn't talk a lot. He just does looks, and, just and it the works. Same sort this of is... look, and the se- and, and the beginning, okay. again, the beginning of the series, you're like, oh, what's a Hightower? He kind of wants. He, he can see Damon for the threat he is. Yeah. So you kind of side with him, and by the end, you're like, oh, you absolute snake. Yeah. Um, I, I it's we're kind of cracking with enjoyment. And it's a shame that it's it, it's a such a long time to wait. For yeah, I, th- I think the biggest uh, sort of mark of failure for the show would have been if we'd finished it and we didn't care. Like oh, the fact yeah. that even like, you know, you said, you know, how cynical you were. And I was a little bit like, oh, am I really going to jump in again? The fact that we're here mm. excited about what Game of Thrones could be again, I think is a testament that Game of Thrones and the property, House of the Dragon, deserves to be yes. regarded as the, the highest quality drama that you can exist on TV right, right now. Even if it is dragons and kings and it's a little bit corny, I'm like, no, this, I'm happy to recommend this. This is, this is good Sunday night, yeah. your dragons and, and, your, and your swords. I, I, I really enjoyed it as well. So we should probably talk about Rings of Power by Rings contrast, Power, right? Yes. We sort of started to talk a little bit about how... I mean, I mean it, it's obvious to me, these are very different yeah. shows, right? It seems fitting that you, you can contrast it to... Uh, um, Rings of Power. Rings of Power, thank you. Because I think what makes... has probably really shaped House of Dragons' identity is that it had a creative challenge ahead of it. You know, I kind of spoke about this before, which is like, you're creating a show for an IP that has been conflict, is now conflicted in people's minds, right? Mm. Then people don't know how they feel about Game of Thrones anymore, right? Like exactly like you and I were just talking about. Yeah. So the creative challenge against, uh, that the writers and creators of House of the Dragon were up against is how do we get, how do we get people to re-engage with this story um, and, and, and invest? And that is a healthy, that is a well. healthy, uh, structure within to create a new piece of content and art and and drama okay yeah. by contrast rings of power when you talked about it you said it's been already commissioned for five seasons it is the expen- most expensive show ever, ever made yeah. it's what 53 58 million pounds or one million dollars per episode Sounds about right. right where's the creative conflict in in making that if if, if the creators have been told from the get-go here's all your money you're five years ahead of time mm-hmm. just go for it I know I'm not saying there's no creative talent there. There's definitely creative talent in yeah. Rings of Power, but it's like the structures within which you are working are very different. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to the fight for people's attention and trust is a different battle, right? Mm. So with Rings of Power, I think How I'm do you feel about it. Well, look, let's, yeah. uh, here's the thing: Rings of Power, you. you you're a diehard Tolkien Lord of the Rings fan, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, if, can I use that? To an extent, that? yeah. Right, but you, you, you love the films. I love the and films. And you know your lore, right? Yes. I do not. I am the opposite. I am the layman. I am the casual observer. I have seen one or two of the Lord of the Rings films many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually remember going to the cinema when I was seven to see Fellowship of the Ring. Same. Okay. Changed my life. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but so I don't have any attachment to it, but you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know what anyone, everyone else thought, but yeah, I yeah. personally thought you did a really good job of selling the show. So you, I came Catch out of your review of it. Yeah. I came out of the review and I thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, like, you give it, I might give it, give it a go. And I did. I ended up watching the whole whole show. And, and, and what, I mean, do you want me to tell you what I thought? Or, or, or I'm interested to know what you think now, coming to the end, as someone who's a Tolkien, uh, who's involved in Tolkien, mm-hmm. who knows his stuff, 
Where do you now sit, having been sort of intrigued at the beginning? So it's interesting you sort of said that I would be like, you know, diehard or um, really sort of, you know, obsessed about Tolkien. And in so many ways, I am. And I do have now in my spare time, I find myself going on the lore and like, like Gandalf in an old library, like reading through the Brilliant. scrolls. What I've realized about myself in the time that The Rings of Power has come out, when I look at the criticism online of what this show is facing compared with my own opinions of it, what I am now realizing is that I am not nearly as protective over the law of Lord of the Rings mm. as many other people are. And I think that is what is making a lot of other people dislike the Rings of Power. But I don't see that as a bad thing because I, right. I, I count I, myself I would, as that, right? I, I'm not brushed up on the law and I, I think to myself, oh God, how liberating. Right. I don't look at this you and just go, go oh, you've got this wrong. I think, hey, I'm taking it at face value. There's stuff that I know they're doing different, compressed timelines, people that are sort of here and depictions of things. But then I, I you know, because I've, I've, I've know the show's been criticized and I'm looking at some of, literally, let's be honest, the TikToks of people going into it. And I'm, I'm realizing, yeah, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm kind of having a good time, time with what it's doing. I have criticisms of the show, yeah. but my problems with it do not lie in its warping of Tolkien's law. Okay, so so what, you, what I would say it? is that like, if you are someone that finds that problem, I don't think this is probably the review for where I'm gonna sit down and break down each bit and go, well, they shouldn't have done this and that person shouldn't have been there yeah. and really this shouldn't have been done in, done in that way. Um, my feelings on how, when I first gave my first impressions, you can check out, I had this warm, fuzzy feeling of mm. excitement where I was looking forward to my Fridays to sit down mm. and watch The Rings of Power. And I had that all the way through. I think, Here's, where I, here's my main statement about The Rings of Power. I never feel cool watching it. <laughs> when I watch Peter Jackson's trilogy, there are, I say like every 15 minutes, there's something really cool that happens. And I go, oh, that's cool. This is like obviously in the sort of parameters of high fantasy. Like yeah, cool. the parameters right. of what you define, <laughs> as, what cool. define as cool. <laughs> like cool moments. And in The Rings of Power, I never feel that cool watching it. And I think that represents the difference in tone for what this has done in its presentation of its characters and its conflict and its dialogue style. I think I remember when you said you were going to watch it, I said, oh, that's great, watch it. Just pretend you don't know what good dialogue is. <laughs> right. And there are a few moments where I feel the opposite of how House, where I watch House of the Dragon, where I feel really smart for figuring stuff out and seeing that that character wants to do one thing. I feel like I'm, I feel like there are a lot of characters that start the show and finish it in the exact same place. Yes. And I feel like I can very much almost predict what was going to happen in that scene. I thought the, um, I love Nori. I, that she's adorable. Yeah. I want her to be my friend. I want to give her a hug and say she's doing great. Yeah. But there were, I think, three scenes in that show that I think were exactly the same, which was the stranger uses magic in some way and gets them into trouble yeah. and goes too far. And I was just a bit like, we could have, we could have done a bit more with this. I think towards the, I think this show had a big, a big weight over its shoulders, which is who is Sauron? Who is the stranger? Mm. Who are the sort of uh, albino models? Yeah, everyone's with, talking with about magic. Jamie. Yeah. Who is who is who is who? And I think it creates a slightly frustrating uh, center point to run your show. And I think at the end, when it's revealed to you, you're like, oh yeah, okay. But mm. that, I guess that was, season, that was season one. But I had, to, I had such a good mm. warm, fuzzy time along the way. And uh, I'm not irritated by what deviations it takes. How do you feel about the next season? Like you said, with you know, House of Dragon, you're invested, you're looking forward to it. How yeah. do you feel about uh, the Confused. I feel like it's weird that they went straight to Sauron when they've got five seasons to go. Yes. Because Hal Brand, well, it's not Hal Brand, but like that young humanized form of Sauron, I think is obviously going to play a 
play a part and we're going to see I, that's the thing I, yeah. can't really predi- I can't really predict where it's yeah. going to go so I'm a little bit confused about why they did that so soon I thought oh it's bold they're really like alluding to that so I've got no I've got no idea mm-hmm. what they're going to do with it and I'm just quite happy to be, be to be taken okay. but at the end of that I think Galadriel's in the same Galadriel's in the same point yeah. at, at the beginning of that scene Nori's in the same point I think Elrond is just constantly quite like you know, happy to help, but it's sort of torn the whole time. I think I think that's really interesting. So I have kind of, I'm kind of similar, but yeah. in slightly different places. So like I said, I approached this as a layman and I kind of watched it. What I did, what I do agree on is that the, the first episode was absolutely brilliant in getting wow. me hooked in. The, the the imagery, the sort of, it's basically one big prologue. And yeah. I, and I slightly naively expected the whole series, every episode to be like that, to be a grand story. And but I kind of wasn't. told you the whole first episode. But, it, but it's really, great. It is, when it's, she jumps off the I know, boat. It's just amazing. amazing. Brilliant, um, Score. brilliant sort of getting you in, in, in the first episode. Um, I think that, you know, um, uh, subsequent subsequent to that I, I looked forward to every Friday I looked forward to my weekly television again there was something kind of old school and comforting about that which I agree with you um, I do think the writing is not uh, what it should be frankly I don't there aren't any definable moments where I can go that's a bad bit of dialogue or that's a bit there are weaknesses everywhere there's no like big pitfalls but I think there are just moments I thought well that could have been a bit stronger for me one thing that really stood out is that I think four of the plots are identical, which is the young people say, I think we should do this because this new thing needs to happen. And the old people say, no, 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 no. We stick to the ways we, we're used to, which is the Harfoot story, the dwarf story, kind of the elf story, um, uh, Numenor bit. Uh, that's the thing. I do find it uneven because I, <laughs> all the bits in Numenor, I could have just gone to sleep. I found Same. incredibly dull. Don't get me wrong. There were moments when I, in Numenor. Like a weird side set. They went there and then they came oh, back. It was like, we need to go here for a few episodes to kill time, right? And this is the thing, the management of time in this, in this series was really strange. So they arrive in Numenor, which by the way, I actually liked and it was an interesting contrast to House of the Dragon. Because in House of the Dragon, you talked about it, it works in the grey area. Mm. And what happens in when they arrive at Numenor, it's this big, dun, 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 oh God, operatic, yeah. like, la, shimmering in bright light, golden statues, a real epic scan. I thought, this is how this show is different. And this is what this show does best, mm. is big scale, bright, unapologetic, grand, high fantasy, okay? Um, However, that said, I do find that all the stuff in Numenor pretty, pretty boring. I think a lot of people have been quite critical of the actors in this this show, and I'm always reluctant to do that because I think writing is is the, is is the is the thing that holds actors back a lot. I can make actors seem wooden and stilted when they're given quite um, misshapen dialogue to work with. Um, the difference between you and I is me as a layman. There were scenes where I was like, "Why am I hanging out with this sea captain's son and his daughter?" For right, you, yeah. you're like, "Oh, that's a seal deal, right?" Yeah. But for me, I'm like, "This doesn't work narratively." Yeah. I'm watching it with my girlfriend, who also hasn't uh, seen Lord of the Rings, and I was just—it felt like the narrative just went <laughs> ground to a halt. Yeah. And I was like, "Why am I? Why are you just forcing this character onto me who I haven't been introduced with? Can you just stick with who you gave me in the first episode, please?" Mm. Um, so anyway, Numenor couldn't really care about that. Yeah, the Harfoots thing is fine. I didn't see the thing coming with the stranger. Well, I did in that. So the whole series is like, to... it's like, it's Sauron, it's Sauron, it's Sauron. And I'm like, and my girlfriend, out of just naivety, was like, is he, is he Gandalf? Yeah. And I went, oh my God. Great guy, great And then I had like four episodes last left. Halflings, to, to, yeah. Today, 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 come back to I, I didn't, they didn't fool me at all in the last episode when the, the albino wizards were like, 
you're Sauron. I was like, he's not. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, I knew who a lot of the other characters were, and I was like, I don't know who the fuck this Halbrand guy is. I know who that, I know that's, I know that's yeah. Calibrin Bor. I was like, who the fuck is Halbrand? That guy is the deceiver. The evil's under Gladriel's nose the whole time. Really? That's, I, like, towards the end, I was like, that's clearly Sauron. But anyway, sorry. As you no, know. no. Um, I just think when you mentioned Elrond, um, I really liked having Robert Arameo in it. Me too, I thought he's great. Robert Arameo is great. And also I liked it because Robert Arameo is not an actor that will be known to many people, but he was in one scene in, in Game of Thrones episode, six yeah. years ago. Well, wait, one episode. What, and, and one of the greatest yes. moments this, in Game of yes. Thrones. Can I, this, is, this is the thing. I was trying to explain Incredible. it to, 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 to Anna, my girlfriend, because- um, He's a young Ned Stark. He plays a young Ned Stark, a very small, but very pivotal moment in Game of Thrones. And I remember watching this scene. It is basically just one long scene that he yeah. has, right? Well, it's like a thing that keeps, Bran keeps going back yeah, to. Keeps, yeah, but, but then, it, yeah. But, um, and I remember watching him in it and it's this very sort of heightened emotional moment. I remember thinking, this guy's good. This guy, I, I'm into this guy. And then I've never seen him no, in anything, anything since. Yeah. And then he turned up in this and I thought, good for you. I'm still glad you're still around. I'm glad you get your moment Got now. the fan, other fantasy IPs <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, so great, Robert Arameo's in it. Um, on, on that note, comment you made on writing, it's like, yeah, like, there aren't individual moments where I go, that's really bad. But there are scenes where I go, I, I did already get it. There's this moment when uh, Durin is with his wife in, in, in um, Casa Doom and they're, they're talking and he just explains to the audience the conflict that I already know about. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, I want to respect my father, Durin, yeah. but also Elrond's my friend. I know, I know. And, and then yeah. they just have this conversation to rehash. And I never feel like I'm the clever one. Yeah. figuring it out it's almost like they don't know which how to pitch it do we go smart and let the audience figure mm. it out do we just tell it all and let the audience just sit back and kind of watch the spectacle yeah um, I, I said in my original russians i said i'm worried that it's it's neither it, it, it i don't i don't think it's good for the fans kids mm. or for like the diehard oh sorry or for new people and i think it, it struggles to really be good for any of them and I almost wish that maybe they had just gone, we're going to go hard for the talking yes. people or we're just going to go for new. And it just, it doesn't quite I think, I think that's the, one thing you could describe this whole series as is directionless. I think it's kind of got a sense of where it's going, but it, it kind of leans a little bit one way and it goes, oh no, we're going to change our mind and go over here. But who um, is Sauron? I don't know about you, but I suddenly, it was just like, yeah, we've got all this stuff. Oh, by the way, this is the season finale. I don't, it just yeah. suddenly arrived. We need, we need, this show's called Rings of Power. Where are the rings? We need to make a, a metal thing. It yeah. must be round. It's going to be a ring. We'll yeah. make crowns. We don't have enough for a crown. Okay, yeah. then rings. Right. Yeah, but, okay. but, but I was just like, oh, you could have given three more episodes out of this. I just think it's a shame, particularly when you're aware of how much this show cost and how much money yeah. was pumped into it. I'm like, do you not think people should have trawled over Could you not have, yes, yeah, spent it better? It's almost like, uh, it's the, like the albatross around its neck. It's, it's it, it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. The, the, the wide, the design of like the wide cities, like yes. Newman yeah, and, and, and I just think, wow, the detail that's yeah. got into that is just incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I agree with you that the physical design of the orcs was again, brilliant, brilliant, frightening. And, 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 and that's another thing that action, sorry, just uh, remember that I described that one action scene, which I thought was really well with done chains, yeah. with the chains and the sunlight yeah. and they were pulling each other in and yeah, out sure. I was like that was cool and I didn't really get another one that I thought oh this is a really well crafted yeah. action scene I um well, I did like the uh I liked Galadriel as a character actually and I actually thought 
a lot of the female characters in in this show really works because it, the show wasn't being like, look at all my prominent female characters, look how great we are. They were just there and functioning and fully dimensional not as they should there be. In Lord of the Rings, but yeah. also Galadriel, what I liked is how I liked how impatient and stubborn mm. she was. Uh, she could not have time. She did not have any time to sit around with these people. And she was like, I've literally got shit to do. Evil is everywhere. Evil is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I kind of like relate to that. I kind of respect that. Mm. Um, so yes, yeah, so I would say. Uh, direction is it did leave me kind of feeling a little bit flat i was like i guess i'll watch the next one but i don't really know where this is going yet are we close to the end are we far away from the end house of the dragon you finished and you're like shit it's war and what a brilliant ending because it's like mm. one thing i didn't mention about house of the dragon it sorry, really kind of ends well, yeah. well just, just to jump back into it is that um there are loads of moments of accidents in, in Game of Thrones that, um, sorry, in the House of the Dragon that cause the plot to move on. You know, yeah. so my point is like the, the plot, the, the show ends with um, one of Rhaenyra's children being killed by accident. Yes. But it's caused a war. Yeah. And similarly, um, Viserys tells Alison about the Song of Ice and Fire by mistake, with mistaking him for Rhaenyra. Yeah. She thinks Kristen Cole knows about Damon and Rhaenyra, but actually he thinks they're talking about him. Anyway, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah, but, but when I finished Rings of Power, back to that show... Uh, I don't know how I felt about it, but I'm glad you got me to watch it. Yeah, I am. Even though I don't know a lot of the characters' names and the elf, there was one character we just called the sexy elf man. Oh, what's his name again? He was so sexy. Yeah, the, the, with the eyes. Arondir. Right, sure. Sexy elf. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, again, like being a bit on the nose, that moment when, you know, Mount Doom erupts and casts ash and shadow all over the Southlands. And then you get the uh, the title of the Southlands and then it ashes yeah. away and it's like Mordor. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, know. We know, I know. I know the map. Mordor's in the south. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. Could've, we knew I, that I was knew. happening. Yeah, because yeah. the sunlight. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, I mean, look, that I don't think you have anything else to cover on it, but amazing score from Bear McCreary and Howard Shaw who sort of did it in conjunction Howard Shaw did the original uh, this is the thing I wanted to ask mm. is it canon with the, the Peter Jackson films no. I, I, from what I understand technically no but even the Balrogs look the same and the Saurogs look the you've, same you've, armor you've raised this and the, the, the design of the Balrogs is the same the design of the dwarves is largely the same the way that they use uh text and the fonts that like they've come up with is the same i would need to look into so um because new line cinema are credited in the credits and obviously new line made lord of the rings so i wanted to know is that could it, it, it yeah is it canon so so the people who the, some of the artists who drew peter jackson's lord of the rings is john howe and alan lee amazing artists they are like tolkien artists beautiful they have drawn tolkien as we know it and they did it before peter jackson picked up the films and they've been doing it since right, right? they have set what we understand is like a visual language for like how dwarves look yeah. how their language is and i think they are sort of going that is like tolkien and we accept that you you see their drawings in the illustrations in the books and you see that they drew the films okay I think their work is clearly being lifted and put into the design of this series. Yeah. From what I understand, they do not have the rights to the first age and the third age, right? Okay. First age being pre this show, third age being Lord of the Rings, as okay. you know it, right? So this has to operate in its own sphere and therefore it cannot necessarily be treated as canon connected to those. So Almost we'll never know in a way, kind of. You know that Sauron's going to go and do this and we know that story, but technically it's not bound to the actions of that film. Because I thought when I, when I saw the Balrog... Yeah, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a sort of rat, like a forward yeah. ram with fire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's well, all I have to say. It's like, it's very, it's very unclear. I'm interested to know 
what everyone else thinks. Yeah, like, please uh, get how in do touch. They think, is it unfair for us to compare them? I think if, you know, we might title this as like House of Dragon versus Rings of Power, I think we can agree that House of the Dragon comes out as, as on top. Yeah. Definitely has our vote if they were Turns together like or not. pure quality drama. Yes. Yeah. HBO continues. As it, for an do. hour of your d- time. Um, how, I mean, yeah, just sort of on that question, like <laughs> you sort of answered it, you think it's House of Dragon, but where do you... What do you like? Is this is there someone you recommend Rings of Power to more than House of the Dragon? Well, I would I would say House of Dragon. Um, sorry, Rings of Power. I I would recommend if you like, you want a romp, a bit mm. more um, something you can relax into, and that you're I'm no, I'm not going to watch Rings of Power. Don't need to feel as uncomfortable much. or wince at someone getting killed. I'm going to be like, oh, it's a bit of a romp and through great landscapes, an adventure, an adventure, hurrah! Mm. Uh, if you like that, um, and you want to sort of smash your cup of mead against another cup of mead yeah and do that i thought it was quite funny sorry how um when uh, gandalf became gandalf and like the uh the white people like sort of inject yes. him he just came out with like a prof- an oxford professor's english yes. <laughs> like, just from the, he yeah. was like i am peril yeah yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. Came up and was like, well of course you know yes, if, you, yeah. if you do this that's this. uh, right they did um what just on the rings power one more thing they darth mauled those three bad albino people. Why? Why tease them in the early episodes, like looking and being very sort of ominous, standing. No, they're going to come back because they turned into insects and flew away. They they died. No, no, no. Well, I think the main one, insects. the main one with the buzz cut, is going to come back because they zoomed in on his insect and that flew away and that will come back. Oh, uh, he'll come back. Oh, good. Right. Maybe yeah. I'll cut this oh, comment. Then. Whatever. But um, I think that in a way they kind of can happily coexist because it's like. If I met someone and I said, oh, we should watch House of the Dragon, they, they, they were into these kind of shows. Mm. And they said, well, I don't really like House of the Dragon. I'm like, you probably like Rings of Power then because they're basically opposites. So different. And that's why I think it's interesting because they came out at the same they time. They stand for different they things. They both are under the fantasy genre yeah. but could not feel more yeah. contrast in what they're doing. I have a feeling people writing in will have a lot more to say about the Rings of Power, funnily enough, and whether or not that agreed with them. Mm. But nonetheless, I'd still love to hear what you thought of them both. If you've seen them both, as always, you can write into the show uh, to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. We'll read them out on a future episode. But yeah, that was sort of our Rings of Power versus House of the Dragon. Yes. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about Rings of Power. Classic you after some B-roll. Yeah, thank you. Um, Not a great title sequence not a good intro i skipped the intro i never skipped the intro but mm. for that one i was like some dust on the ground blowing around they did a really cool reveal for rings of power where they used la- it wasn't cg and they like melted stone into like a thing right. lava and i thought they were going to do that but i agree with you i thought the sound was a bit boring i did always watch the intro because i i believe in watching curious. the intro okay, thank and you it I sets know, the tone. so do i normally i know but yeah I, that's the only bit of the score i didn't like i thought galadriel's theme is fantastic i thought sure. i thought other uh, swells music really got me but no that, that's that's fair okay anyway i anyway. to hear what uh some of our audience have been emailing in about things. James, what do we got? People have emailed in. They've emailed in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. If you have your questions, thoughts, concerns, you can write it in the show and we will do our best to email them. Just email them. Do our best to respond to them. Just like Felix did. Friend of the show, Felix, hey. writing in a few times. He says, hi guys, as seems to be customary by now, let me start by saying how much I've been enjoying the podcast. Well, that's very I've actually discovered you on YouTube, shock horror, Way. back in May and have since been listening religiously whilst cooking. Get I in. always feel like people are lying because sometimes they lie and then they go oh no it was actually tiktok yeah but when they say actual youtube yeah welcome to youtube whole kitchen in the kitchen love that yes nice one felix synergy i wanted to get in touch because of your discussion the other week about christian bale's performances yes please go back and listen to what episode uh, i will be amsterdam 
Oh, yeah, the Amsterdam one. Um, I couldn't help but notice you didn't talk about his role as Michael Burry in The Big Short. Oh, For yeah. some reason, this film is a favourite of mine, and I've watched it many times over, probably because my father was a banker, so I have quite the personal experience of the time the financial crisis hit Europe. If either of you have seen it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well as Bale's performance. I think The Big Short is a nice case study of how storytelling can make otherwise dense and complicated subject matter more accessible to the viewer. I agree. Hmm. I even wonder whether it might be somewhat unique in its ability to strike a balance between technical material and the drama and emotion you would expect from a film without boring the audience. Do you know of other films that accomplish this to the same extent? Of course, Margin Call also takes place during the financial crisis and The Wolf of Wall Street deals with the world of finance as well, but both are very different films other than that. The only other film I can think of is Moneyball and the way it gets into the nitty gritty of managing a baseball team. I also remember you discussing Deepwater Horizon and how it devotes yes. a portion of its time to showing you the inner workings of an oil rig. Yes. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this and keep up the good work. I honestly look forward to a new episode every single week. All the best Thank and you. greetings from Brighton. Felix. Uh, a place close to our hearts. A place heart, close James. to our hearts. Um, first one, Christian Bale's performance as Michael Burry in The Big Short. Because you asked yes. a lot of questions yeah, there. No, good email. Very good. Um, Big Short, I rewatched this year. Yeah, mm. I, I like The Big Great Short. Film. Great Christian Bale performance. A testament, a good understated Christian Bale performance. He's there with his glass eye. A bit like he does in Amsterdam, actually. Mm. But he has glass eye in Big Short. But he's kind of understated. He's on his own in that film. You yeah. have a big cast in that film, but he is in his own. The, the main action is with Steve Carell and Rafe Spall. And mm. that stuff. Yeah, you don't, you know, Christian Bale is just sort of on his own. Um, I like him in that. I, as, as, as for the Big Short as a whole, I think the noble... I, I always think the Big Short was a noble effort, a sincere effort from Adam McKay that people misread as being sort of wacky and childish. But I think it was a sincere, noble effort to take a very serious issue, historical event that was done, uh, sort of overcomplicated and made made deliberately boring to go over the heads of a with lot of the public. With enough time to properly with enough dissect time, it. Yeah, but um, made deliberately obscure so that the mass population would not realize the sheer criminality mm. and recklessness and violence of the like capitalist crash that happened in 2008. And what I think Adam McKay does so well is go through and funnily, wittily, but with good sense of drama as well, is make you realize and probably get you invested in that world and, and what happened. So I, I do like the big shot. I think it's probably my favorite non-comedic you know, dramatic Adam Kay film. You right, get yes, yeah, yeah. His, his post Will Ferrell phase, yeah. right? Um, I don't, what were you, Wolf of Wall Street, it, a good film gets you invested whatever it's trying to give you across. Mm -hmm. So I agree that Moneyball and, and Billy Big Short want to get you understood and rooted in this world and they succeed. Wolf of Wall Street is a character, is more about getting you invested in this character's world. You say it's like, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street stops explaining the finances of it. And he goes, oh, you're probably not listening to what yeah, word exactly. I'm saying. And that, it makes um, a point to do that. Margin Cord is kind of good, but it's kind of got this whole sort of fictitious area around it. And we've talked about this before. That's like Margin a one-room drama. To me that's all, like, the, all the time, time on YouTube. That's like a sort of one, one night kind in real time, of, yeah, one yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you said about uh, The Big Short. I'm not, I don't really love Christian Bale in that film. I actually think he overacts a bit. Oh. I think he he did a lot of I think considering the role that he did and the person he was playing, I feel like he added one too many visual ticks and things and the bouncing. And I, I, to be honest, he probably had to because his, all of his stuff took place in a room, staring at numbers on a screen. I, and I was one form I'm a bit like, eh, could have could have been less. I was watching a good interview with Christian Bale. They gave with GQ. By the way, GQ did this really good series where they get actors and they say like, you know, so and so. Christian Bale breaks down his most iconic yeah, yeah. characters, really and the, the nuggets of information they get from each actor are so 
insightful. Mm. Matt, the Matt Damon one's great, the Hugh Grant one. But with Christian Bale, he begins and he's like, he talks about how he preps and he says what his biggest fear, his biggest insecurity is getting onto set to do a scene and the director says, uh, actually, get rid of the dialogue, just improvise it. Mm. And he's got nothing. So he's like, I want to make sure I have everything ready so that I can go, even when the director doesn't want back to pocket. True actor. Makes sense. And then, yeah, I think everyone knows a little surface thing about what happened in the 08 crash, but yeah. the demo they did with the Jenga blocks when Ryan Gosling yeah, is trying to explain. Like, Look at it. Yeah. You see, yeah. this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And like, and like um, what's the face? Like Steve Carell's just there like, he's like, wait, you're telling I can't me believe this. these it's ones really- are dog shit, but these ones are dog shit. Right to catch like, it. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't you understand? Yeah. The house is on fire and I'm selling you fire insurance. No, no, no. It's like, I'm telling you the house is about to burn down and I'm selling you fire insurance. Yeah. Um, Great scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, good stuff. Well, you asked, you asked. I think I think we covered the question. Oh, can I Marginal. say great, great bit of casting in the big short of Max Greenfield and, oh uh, God, the guy's name Billy Billy Magnuson. Are those the young guys who that... play the schmucks, the the sleazy. Um, yeah, no, 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 they're not the young guys. No. They're the sleazy guys who oh they yes, visit who are like explaining how they make yeah. loads of money. Yeah, yeah. they're like yeah, and then like, at the end they're like oh, at a job fair, like what the hell do we do? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think with that film, people will remember Margot Robbie in the bath, but what they think yeah. they forget is like how well that story tell, yes. uh, tells you what, what anyway, it's about. This next thank one you, is Felix. thank you very much, Felix. This next one's from Naomi. I am new to your podcast, but I already love it and I'm working on watching all the episodes I've missed so far. Wow. Anyway. That's commitment and I like it. I like that. Anyway, I think the movie Ticket to Paradise was okay, but I think for a comedy, it was told too slowly and sometimes it was hard to follow the plot. Please go back and listen to my Ticket to Paradise for me. And spoilers for for Ticket to Paradise. I don't want to hear Ticket to Paradise. Don't tell me the spoiler for Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil okay, my fine. ticket Sorry. to paradise. No, I mean, I'll have to wait to read your email until George watches Ticket to Paradise. I'm sorry, I can read, you know, James can read it, but like, I, you know. Fine. We, we I, I didn't know Ticket to Paradise was like. Uh, you said it was you... a nice, cozy, lovely film just to put on. And I don't want yeah. that, that taken away. Those films are so rare. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'll move on. I want a rare, mediocre film, please. <laughs> this next one is from Joel. Hi, lads. I've been watching for a while now and love your stuff. Thank you, Joel. I was rewatching one of my favorite films when I was a kid, which is Step Up to the Streets. Whoa. I've got a real soft spot for that movie for mainly nostalgic reasons and for any terrible dance moves in general. Yeah. I was wondering whether there were any rubbish movies that you still love to watch from your childhood. Thanks for the great content. Cheers, we get this. Joel. This is a recurrent question. We Bad get films Guilty that you love. pleasures. What films have you mm. watched the most? What films do you visit? Bad films like that. I don't so, know. About yeah. bad films, that I, 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 yeah. There's, I mean, there's a few. There's like a soft spot for the Hobbit, but it's flawed. And I've said that. I've said this. Mm. But step up to the streets. I've never in seen its it. Time. Oh, you never seen? You seen yeah. Step Up One? No. You don't see Step Up One with Channing Tatum. I've never seen any Step Ups. I've never seen any High School Musicals. I mean, it's you, don't, you didn't see High School Musical. Yeah, no, no. What you, you thought was, you were better was, than it? I was too busy trying to be cool and watch like. I'm watching Kubrick. <laughs> oh, you missed out. No, I think I did. I probably did. I'm no snobbery about I, um, it. I just step up it. to the streets <laughs> for me represents like the ultimate representation of this sort of 08. I want to say it came out in like 2008 or 2009. Yeah, I did. This sort of 08 street style, like George Sampson like, from Br- George. Br- yeah, Tano. George Sampson, like X Factor hype, just sort of um, like those those. Two for two for twelve pound top man swapping like yeah. color color different t shirts and just like that that T Pain song like apple bottom oh. jeans because that was what they they danced to oh. in the finale of that song God. and it just it's such a moment in time and I reckon if you watch it now 
it just just would feel so weird because it's completely out of time. I uh, I only I don't like that song much. Uh, I don't think that's okay. It's 2022. Yeah. You shouldn't. Uh, but it reminds me. I was once stuck on a bus. Not stuck on a bus. I was on a bus mm. in Argentina. That's not. That's that. That was a nice thing. Yeah. And they had a TV and they put some films on. Right. And the only film they had was Zookeeper with Kevin James in it. Right. Oh my god. And there okay. is a scene in that where he takes Dances. a talking gorilla oh. to. Any films are talking animals. We've had this conversation right, before. I think yeah. to, to a to a TGI Fridays and the gorilla and Kevin James dance to, you know, um, yeah. Apple Bottom Jeans Boots of the Fur. Um, sorry, Low by Flo Rida. Yeah, this is yeah, called. Yeah. And um, I think I just saw in that moment the Nadir of all cinema <laughs> before my eyes. Not sure I like films anymore. I think I tried to try to get out of the bus as it was. I moving. love just you like sat at the back of the bus with your arms folded. Well, like... I think this is the Nadir of cinema. <laughs> yeah. It's also the same bus journey where I watched Ted in Spanish. <laughs> I've seen all of Ted, but I've only in seen it in Spanish. Subtitles? Nope. Just, did just, you get it? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this next one's from Oscar. He says, hello, fellas. Hope you're both well, George. You are. Uh, I'm okay. Thank you, Oscar. It's getting dark, isn't it? It's getting dark. It's getting dark. I'm not sure if my question has been asked before on the podcast, but I'll ask anyway. Is there any films out there that you would like to see a sequel for? We see some many, we see so many unnecessary sequels in film today, but I was wondering, if there are any you think would benefit the original or um, just be a good time. I'm going to have to give Love you, the podcast. Sorry. Keep up the outstanding work. Much love, Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. I'm going to have to give you just my immediate knee-jerk reaction. And I, I, I would say I want a sequel to this film, but I want a sequel to this film about 10 years ago. Uh, okay. And that is District 9. Oh, yes. Yeah. Amazing shout. It's yeah. not, yeah, a while you know, ago. Because it kind of invites it and you're interested in it. Now, if it came back up, like, it's too late. What about something in that world that's not a direct sequel to District 9? It's in the world of District 9. What, 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 the like, the, what like, the black market criminal gangs using alien tech left over by the spaceship kind of thing? Yeah, you remember just kind of, well. Someone write this down. Um, I, I'm going to say one a little bit controversial, and I think I might hate myself for saying it, but I would like a sequel to Blade Runner 2049 because Blade Runner 2049 was such a great sequel. Well, they're doing that, aren't they? The animated series. Oh, animated series. Is that a sequel? Proper no, sequel? No, it's not a proper sequel. I know, but they that closed that. that. I think they really, they really stuck I think the that it was, but it, Yeah, but it's such a hardship... To, to sail and get yeah. right that I don't maybe I think it would probably be bad like, thank you yes I made it I pulled it off <laughs> yeah I pulled it off I'm just gonna leave that walk there. away <laughs> yeah. walk away let it stay there uh yeah I don't know we get too many sequels my answer is new IP please yeah this one's from Haiku Dave, fan of the show. Oh, Haiku, yeah, Haiku Dave. Dave. Hello, gents. Wonderful to have you. Um thank you. Thank you for having I do, us. I do realize that when people listen to us we are in their homes. In their so, ears. So thank you for welcoming us into your homes and I hope you're having a good day. Right. Now, Haiku Dave is coming in with some heat. Okay. And look, Haiku Dave is a man I respect a lot. Okay. He's written in some very wise words and he's forced me to come out with some really wise statements. Okay. But Haiku Dave's coming in with some heat. He says, George, you're all right. James, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, nice. You say the Muppets have passed you by, hey? This is acceptable to you, is it? Think they don't hold up? <laughs> well, if you don't watch at least two Muppet movies by year's end, so help me. Muppets Carol has been covered. The other yeah. I would suggest is either yeah. Treasure Island or The Great Muppet <laughs> Caper. Watching all three would be acceptable as well, but at least two by year's end, please. I think, come on. Are you, is that the end? Or? No. He says, uh, well, I just to refresh, I haven't seen, Muppets have like passed me by and we realized this yeah. uh, last week and I'm very apologetic for it. And George, uh, don't very, worry, very someone, kindly. Will, someone will write in next week being like, George hasn't seen High School Musical? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be yeah. me. <laughs> All right. 
James, yeah. you're all right. Um, also, yes. about sound levels in movies. Last yes, week- that's about a great email from uh, uh, one of our listeners who has autism and was talking about neurodiverse screenings and and how you could molly and molly thank you and and molly was writing about different sound levels and how that affects different people in the audience differently and it it was a really great email and please go back something we haven't really thought about before not at all but uh, but uh, but really insightful but hi good dave is adding to that conversation how about sound levels in movies yes whether it's done in theater or on video or tv i think we need some change when watching from home it's a bit distracting having to change the volume whether someone's talking or there's action or swell in some music i understand sudden noises for effect but when the talking is too quiet it reminds me of the low talker in seinfeld (laughs) or the music's so loud it's like a punch to the face something needs to be done until next time this is haiku dave Signing off, Dave. Hi, good day. I mean, very deep. I think the way your TV is calibrated, or maybe the type of TV, mm. TV, and the relationship with its soundbar or lack of soundbar mm. has a big thing to do about uh, with it. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I, 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 with my TV, I, I kept changing up and down. Then I realised I had the sound setting wrong, and then it changed everything. Do you want to know something really nerdy? I do sometimes when I'm watching a film. Every is day that, is so I can watch stuff on my PlayStation, yes. and I have like a good headset for like playing games on the PlayStation. And I often will watch a movie through the headset on the PlayStation. Nice. And that's a really good experience because I don't have a soundbar because it's just money. And I just sometimes, so I'm going to headphone this with yeah. the TV. Thank you for by default making me sound like some sort of bougie emperor who just <laughs> thinking, well, I have a soundbar <laughs> yeah. coming out of my ears. Yeah. Got one on every wall. The soundbar's like... Haiku Dave, thank you. And as you would expect Haiku Dave to do, he puts a haiku in the signature of, it, of his emails, which was brain always thinking, trying to create haiku powered by slurpy do you remember one of the earliest games we Is used it to meant play to rhyme? Was... no haiku's don't have to rhyme i'm an idiot <laughs> haiku's rhyming no um do you remember originally it's we played the game guess of. the film based on the haiku impossible it was yeah absolutely impossible because again my brain thinks they're limericks it to be yeah yeah those are the, that was the old days that was season season one of pop kitchen haiku dave thank you and i'm sorry um and as always as we've said before many times in the show if you want to write in and have your email read out on the show you can do by emailing hello, hello at, at popkitchenpodcast.com that's the audio equivalent of writing it in bold when we both say it and my intonation is hello at popkitchenpodcast.com hello it's like when you heard like the direct line number. Yes. James, we've reached the end of the show, which means we have one last thing to do, which is of course play a game. Mm-hmm. You guys know it. we've got many different versions, but today we're going to be playing another round of Guess the Movie based on the movie character. Okay. Okay. Right. Guess the movie from the movie character. Okay? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Clarice Starling. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode. No. Halloween. Oh, oh, yeah, I should have known John that. Connor. Uh, t- Terminator, any Terminator. No, not any Terminator. Two. Terminator 2, and almost. He's not in Terminator uh, true, 1, true, is true, he? True, 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 true. Uh, Boromir. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Goose. Uh, Top Gun. Fredo. Um... Oh my God. Fredo. Oh my God. Oh, James. It's on the tip of my tongue. Godfather and Godfather oh, Part 2. Alvy Singer. Oh. Alvy Singer. No, I don't have it. Annie Hall. Ah. Dom Cobb. Um, uh, Inception. <laughs> Daisy Domagoo. Oh my God. How about if I say it like this? Daisy Domagoo. Oh. 
Wait. The Hateful Eight. Oh, no, I'm so, I'm so close. I'm so close. Alex DeLarge. Alex DeLarge. Clockwork no. Orange. And lastly, John Bender. John Bender? No. Breakfast Club. Oh, you know, you, I was surprised, James. You know, couple of this slides. is some ones so, that I really should have got. I, I, I'm surprised you. Don Cobb is such Clarice, a non-name. I know it's a terrible character. Like, you got Chloe Starling, but you didn't get Laurie Strode. I yeah, I know. Because you just, love Halloween. I know, I do. I just don't have like the name. It's just yeah. There All you right. go. Okay, next. Ready round. for next round? Did you get them? Play along at home, James. Mm-hmm. Round two. Guess the movie mm-hmm. from the movie character. Okay. Three, two, one. Sam Witwicky. Um, oh my God, Terminator. Uh, no, 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 Transformers, Transformers, Transformers. <laughs> yes, John McClane. Uh, Any Die Hard. Yes, Raz Al Ghul. Uh, Batman Begins. Yes, Travis Bickle. Uh, uh, Taxi Driver. Yes, Kevin McAllister. Home Alone. Johnny Utah. Um, from, oh my God. It, it's fucking, what is it? What is it? <laughs> it's Point Break. L Woods. Uh, Legally Blonde. Yes. Stanley Kowalski. Oh my God. Come on. A-level English. It's killing me. A-level English. Stanley Kowalski. Streetcar Named Desire. I didn't risk that. Either. Bella Swan. Um, oh my God. Bella Swan. No. Oh, James, this is huge. The people are screaming. It's killing me. People are screaming. What is it? Twilight. Oh God. And lastly, Carl Fredrickson. Um... Okay, I'll give you a hint. Mr. Fredrickson. Mr. Fredrickson? Mr. No. Fredrickson! Up. No, you I'd never know that You'd name. Never I would go, never oh, know on, that Mr. name. Mr. Fredrickson! I've not seen Carl. I've this not seen is my wilderness so... explorer badge. <laughs> yeah, now I know. Uh, uh, James, you, <sighs> uh, you were, yeah, pull it up. I, Shaky. Johnny Utah, I knew would really screw oh, you. Because ri- Johnny so Utah annoying. is such a typical, like no human has ever been called that. <sighs> no. Well, there you go. That was uh, an atrocious performance, but another great game to end our show. Thank you very oh, much you. for listening to this episode of Pulp Kitchen. Don't forget that we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And as ever, guys, there's loads of other content going out on the channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like mm-hmm. and subscribe. And if you're an Instagram follower or a TikTok follower uh, and you like us, just don't forget to go to YouTube and subscribe yeah, as well. Yeah, we're going to hit a thousand subscribers soon on YouTube. If Fingers we, crossed. If you are listening to this part of the show, I assume you enjoy our content because you've got to the end. If we have ever given you any entertainment, please go over to our YouTube and give it some love and drop us a sub. It really does make a difference. We really do appreciate it. So thank you for that. And I hope and look forward to you joining us again next week. See you next week. Yeah.